0: Tennessee. Tennessee. tennessee 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 lord i've really been real
1: stressed I'm Justin canoe one of the co-founders of The Holler, tnholler.com. I'm excited to talk to Tequila Johnson of the Equity Alliance today. It's been a busy couple of days here. The Equity Alliance had a huge win. Federal court blocked Secretary of State Trey Hargett's voter registration criminalization bill. Subscribe to our daily emails on tnholler.com. We exist because of the generosity of small dollar donations, so those are really helpful. Tequila, how are you? It's great to see you. Thank you for joining us here today.
0: Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm well thanks for asking.
1: Can you take us back? Just tell us your, your background and how you got involved with, I guess, first the Tennessee Black Voter Project and Equity Alliance and what those are.
0: My background is in business. I'm a, a project manager. So I worked in a completely different field prior to um, getting involved on the in the political community outreach organizing um, arena. I have always been an organizer, though, uh, unknowingly to me. But what sparked our interest in the Equity Alliance or sparked us to start the Equity Alliance was Christian Bugs' school board race. Christian Bugs is one of my best friends. Well, she is my best friend. We were roommates in college, sorority sisters, the whole nine. And she came to me as a project manager and said, you should manage my campaign. I want to run for school board and no one will help me through the process of teaching ourselves just everything about politics, everything about local politics, how to run a campaign, how to run an election, Um, we ended up winning that race with over 60% of the vote. So we really, really blew the race out the water. Uh, But one of the things that really was alarming to us was that there were huge people that weren't being engaged. In fact, we were being told not to even engage those people because because on campaigns there are limited resources, and you're usually tasked with talking to the people that you know are going to actually go out and vote. Well, we found out that a lot of the people, or majority of the people, were African American, and within that, we were just like, "How we got to change this?" You know, um, working as a political operative really, you know, it's a it's a pretty can be a very well paying gig but we decided that we would take the, the long slow route. And that is by working to expand the electorate. Um, what we saw was that when everybody votes, when everybody is an active or a contributor to our democracy, our our laws, our, our policies, our lives, everything looks different. It reflects the people. And right now across the nation in Nashville, we're just not seeing that happen. So we decided that we would no longer tell people who to vote for, but we would help to teach people the tools that they needed to be able to be self-determining to make those decisions for themselves. And so the Equity Alliance was birthed out of that self-determination, out of that freedom. We believe that our ancestors fought for that freedom and that inclusion, and it is our duty and our obligation to protect that. And so that's what we do. We believe in using our voting power in the fight for social justice and economic equality for people of color. Uh, we believe in bridging gaps. We believe in points of intersection with trusted allies who, who serve as, as validators, who serve as supporters, who you know really help us to uplift the voices of the voiceless. So that's the Equity Alliance in a nutshell. Of course, equityalliance.org, you can find out so much more. We have this organization. Um, I like to say because of the passion behind why we started it, um, this organization has grown for friends sitting around a table at Chili's to potentially getting full-time staff, to having five, six, seven programs running, to running a, a, a huge budget and things like that. So it's a very exciting time for us.
1: Well, it's awesome. And, you know, I've I've come to know you a little bit and Charlene and I know you guys are doing such good work. And uh, so I appreciate that you're doing it. I think you're absolutely right that we've seen that when people vote, we see our government reflect the people far more than it does right now. And that's a big part of the problem here in Tennessee. We're 50th in voter turnout we're you know, at the bottom and everything that matters. So, uh, take us back to the Tennessee Black Voter Project and how that started and what the goal was. I want to let people know that you're breaking up a little bit on your visual feed, but we can hear you just fine. And if anybody has any questions for you, they can type them into the comments and we'll see them. And we're happy to, to try to answer some of them so we can hear you just fine. Take us back to the Tennessee Black Voter Project, how that started and what the goal was
0: so the tennessee black voter project birthed out of an idea that a group of us had around how do we begin to engage more african americans more people of color in the state um primarily around these um senate races because we knew that people just don't turn out for a lot of races local races senate races so we've been talking about this for a while like how do we get more people engaged what can we do so we decided to do a coalition of getting as many organizations as possible together with one goal and that was just to register people to vote. Um, We weren't particularly supporting one candidate over the other. There was no like, you know, secret thing that we were doing, which which has been suggested by a lot of our legislators and our secretary of state but that was not the intention. The intention was solely to register Black and Brown people to vote, and we did that. So we came together with over two dozen nonprofit organizations across the state. Um, we went through and had we, you know, wrote we wrote out and drew out a plan for this program. We fundraised. We did everything that is needed to run a a, a program of this scale. We we went out. We registered voters. We hired people from the community to serve as canvassers. Um, because one of the things that we know, and I'm pretty sure you're aware of is when people have the relationships in certain communities, they are easy it, it's easier for them to go out and register people who they already have relationships with versus versus organizations who don't particularly look like the communities coming in and registering voters so that's what we did we we created a workforce development program that trained people on the ground on how to go canvas um talk to community members and register them to vote our goal was to turn in fifty thousand. we exceeded that with ninety one thousand, so it was a successful program and it was when, when When, when did this
1: start sorry to cut you off when did this start
0: oh it started in in may in march of 2018
1: so, from March of 2018 to November of 2018, y'all registered over ninety thousand. Y'all registered over ninety thousand people.
0: Hmm? <laughs> how,
1: how did you do that?
0: Well, we it, it's a simple equation. You use the trusted validators in the community, um, and those people are able to go out and get people registered at a larger scale. For example, um, I worked with a woman in Memphis, and they call her the the Mother of Orange Mound, and sh- this woman is awesome when I say she's like everybody's grandmother, but she was able to register almost five thousand people to vote in less than a month, and that wasn't because she had some fraudulent plan. it was because people knew her. She was when people would walk by her house, she would tell them to come over here and register to vote. And it, it just spreaded, and people were coming by and re- bringing people and they were registering and she was able to register that many people by herself. But like when so I, like, I
1: hear that number and I'm like 5,000 people in a month, like that, how, uh, uh, there aren't even enough hours in the day for that. So it would just spread like wildfires. That would happen.
0: Yeah. And you have to meet the people where they are, you know, a lot of times, and, and we are guilty of this doing this because we... We tried so many different tactics to register people to vote um, based off of just proven methods, you know, things like that. And we weren't, a lot of those weren't successful. We went to, um, you know, events to register people to vote. We went to a lot of events that were political in nature. And what we learned was a lot of people were already registered. So what we started doing is going to the African-American churches. Um, we started getting the pastors to give us access to the pulpit to ask people to register to vote. and we would be 100, we would register a hundred, two hundred, three hundred people in one service. And this program grew so large that we were having five six services a, a Sunday.
1: that's incredible. Uh, tell me a little bit about the organization. Was it? You know how many people were actually involved directly with the Tennessee Black Voter Project, and how much of it was was volunteer based.
0: Um, so we had a huge volunteer network. Um, and to be very honest, there were so many volunteers that we weren't able to like capture all of them the way we probably should have. Um, but I can tell you, we had over two hundred volunteers. Because when you think about a half, two dozen nonprofits, it's twenty plus nonprofits across the state. Uh, most nonprofits run off of volunteer management and volunteer support anyway. So a lot of people with the Equity Alliance, I can tell you, we had over 100 volunteers just as one organization. Um, you think about the other organizations, the NAACP, the Immigrants and Refugee Rights Coalition. All these other organizations were able to register tons of people. And and it was really based off of relationship. It was relationship building. It was trust. It was Organizing, it was being very, you know, intentional and strategic in how we organized and how we brought people together. So there were a ton of people. We did have a a, a rather um, large number of people who were paid as well, because organizations did receive a very small stipend. But for the most part, we had just as many volunteers as we had paid people.
1: Now, while you were doing this, you was your understanding. That you had to turn in every form, no matter how sufficiently completed it was.
0: Yeah, we we met with um, Linda Phillips from Memphis. We met with the election commissioner in Nashville, Davidson County, Knoxville. And those were the questions that we asked. In the event that we have incomplete forms, should we disregard them? And we were told, no, every form that you touch has to be turned into the state. Once someone puts their information on it, it now becomes, you now become liable for making sure that person's information gets turned in. And from my understanding from by the election commission in Memphis is that once a person's information is entered on a form, it's the election commission's responsibility to follow up with complete information. So you need to turn those forms in. We separated out all the forms. We knew that we were turning it in complete forms.
1: But you turn them in anyway because you were told by election commissioners throughout the state that Mm -hmm. if somebody touches a form and puts their information on it, it's your responsibility to turn them in. Because if you don't turn them in, then essentially you could be suppressing the vote. People think they're registered to vote, so they don't go register Mm -hmm. another way, and and they're not. So of course you turned in every form. And when election commissioners are telling you to do that, you could think – maybe there would be criminal penalties for not doing that. Is that right?
0: Right, right. I mean, I guess at that time, I didn't even think that criminal penalties was an option for voter registration. Like, I never thought about voter registration in some way that people would be doing something fraudulent. Like, I just, I assumed that the election commission wanted to know what was happening and who was registering to vote and were going to reach out to those people I had no idea or never, like I said, never even thought about the idea that you could be, you know, punished or penalized for voter registration. Did
1: you try at any point to contact Trey Hargett or Mark Goins, the Election Commission office themselves directly to be sure?
0: Um. I didn't contact the idea of being sure about that. I contacted them to speak to them, to set up a meeting with them, to let them know that this was something that we were, we were doing, we were intending to do. We reached out to everyone that has anything to do with any type of voter registration, voter engagement in the cities that we were primarily in. And that was in Nashville and in, in Shelby County, and Memphis.
1: When, when did you reach out to them?
0: I reached out to them prior to the, um, prior to the project starting.
1: So early 2018, you reached out to Hargett's office and did they respond? No. Okay. So you turn in the forms and a big part of the issue that came up during committee was that you turned in all of these forms all at once. Was that something you were warned Mm -hmm. about not doing? Was there a reaction to you doing that? What was that moment like?
0: Well, we didn't turn in all the forms that's not accurate information what we did was we were turning in large quantities of forms over a period of time every week every but it was not because we were trying to hold the forms and you know do something that would cause the election commission to not be able to get everyone registered to vote. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Here we are with little to no resources going after getting all of these people registered to vote, turning into forms, why would we want to risk not having those people actually be added to the roles just to hold the forms to cause some inconvenience for the election commission? Like it just doesn't make logical sense. The the issue was people were extremely excited uh, around the country. You had uh celebrities Encouraging people to register to vote Taylor Swift came out and was encouraging people to register to vote artists different activists Um, in Nashville. We had the oversight referendum that was gearing up so people were extremely activated and we we capitalized off of that we took all of the things that were happening around the state around the country and we used that as fuel to get tons of people registered and that's what we did so we we turned in a huge quantity of forms and so it may have felt overwhelming for the election commission because so many people were registering to vote but that's i pay taxes and that's what i pay for that's what we want people in our state to be registered to vote. We're the volunteer state. It doesn't look good for Tennessee to be 50th in voter turnout. Like our numbers reflect the voter suppression tactics that our state legislators have employed across the state. And it is sad.
1: I completely agree with you. And it definitely seems intentional when you look at the fact that we were not at the bottom, not that long ago. We were in the 20s, and suddenly, a few years later, we're at the very bottom because of things like this, the naked voter suppression that's going on. At what point did you realize they had a problem with what was happening?
0: Um, When Linda Phillips decided that she would hold back form, you know, we started getting a lot of pushback. We started hearing things in the news. Um, it really became... Evident to me that this was more than just about voter registration. This was about a a longer, more, um, a longer plan that we weren't included in. Let me say that. Um, This was about holding on to power. Like, let's be real. We know that our state legislator is not reflective of our state. We know that a lot of the policies. Are not reflective of the people in Tennessee and that that transcends across racial barriers, social socioeconomic statuses. I mean, even in our rural counties, I went out and I talked to people who had Confederate flags hanging up in their yard, who had, you know. President Trump stickers in their yard and that I wasn't there to, you know, sway them to vote one way or another or do anything like that. I was there because I wanted to know how this person felt, what this person was experiencing. And what I learned is across racial barriers, across everything that you can think of that would separate us, people feel the same. People are struggling. Hospitals are closing. People are losing jobs. No one is being paid fair wages. I mean, we're all experiencing the same thing that is reflective of the people that are in power. And when you have people who are put in power with a small segment of the population being the people to actually elect them, this is what Tennessee is an example of what that looks like.
1: Now, let me ask you something. You said you were starting to feel like this was about something that you weren't involved in like there was sort of something nefarious behind the scenes going on what was giving you that vibe like drill down on that for a second you felt like something bigger was happening and it was it was it was all connected
0: yeah i mean just and and this is my own intuition but even in conversations with legislators about this it was obvious that they had no knowledge of me, the Equity Alliance, the Tennessee Black Voter Project, what they stood for, what we were doing, it was all it was a very divisive, partisan reaction. Let's just be honest. I mean, people were literally reading from the paper in the subcommittee and committee hearings or, or meetings. They were reading from a piece of paper that someone gave them. That wasn't something that they thought of on their own. Someone gave them that and told them, this is, this is the intention. The intention is to take power away from us, and you are going to be a person that could potentially lose your seat, we need to slow this down. Because what would happen if low-income, black and brown, under 35, people across the state, came to the polls in droves? It would push a lot of people out. Let's just be honest.
1: Did you know that it was Trey Hargit? Did you know that Trey Hargit was the one sort of the wizard behind the curtain or did you not know how high up it went
0: i knew it was trey hargett i knew that it was you know him going around um because several state legislators had said well trey hargett you know and mark goins and lieutenant governor knocked on my door and told me about this like a lot of people were You know, because we pushed back pretty hard. And when we started pushing back, I think because I think at first people, the state legislators just so they're so comfortable. They're so comfortable without being challenged. They're so comfortable uh, with doing whatever they want to do. And it just kind of flying by people's radar without anybody paying attention. So when they do get a little bit of pushback, they get alert. They're like, oh, wait, let's get a little deeper. And what we saw was after we started protesting and really pushing back and calling them out. Um, they started deeper into what was actually going on. And people were just kind of being honest, saying, hey, well, this is how I heard about it. And this is what they're saying. And we know that there are some, you know, serving special interest groups. There are some greedy politicians who use specific rhetoric that divides us and that makes us think that one person is after the next and that's not the case it's all about them and it's all about holding on to power so they use those buzzwords and once the words um voter fraud and all those words they were up in arms It became that's about what it was intended to be about and that is about giving people a voice it became about illegals and a whole bunch of felons and all this stuff and that disgusting to be honest and it's heartening. So
1: when the bill got introduced, did you feel like, oh, this is about us specifically, even though they didn't actually name you directly?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was about us. Every example that they used was an example from the Tennessee Black Voter Project. Any example from any other organization, every example, everything, every form that they had held up was a form that was from the Tennessee Black Voter Project. That bill was written out directly to attack every every layer of, of strategy that we employed with that project was listed in that bill. And so we know it was a direct attack on us, even though, you know, I reached out uh, to the committee, mem- committee chair and sub-chair asking if I could testify to defend it I was denied. I mean, nobody reached back out to me and said, "Sure, you can testify um, in, in in regards to this." They didn't. On in fact, on the floor, they said to the League of Women Voters, "Well, we're not talking about your organization. We're not talking about groups like yours." What a group! What is groups like yours? White women, older women, like what? What are you trying to say? So you reached out to
1: testify in committee about this bill that was very clearly directed at your organization, and they wouldn't let you testify? I mean, just to be clear, we just had Senate hearings where a guy who says he remembers being born testified against an abortion bill, but they wouldn't let you testify about this bill that was very clearly about your own organization?
0: Yep. And, and, you know, I'm I'm not going to say they would or wouldn't let me. I'm going to say I reached out and no one reached back out to me. I called and no one, re, you know, no one returned my call. So. Yeah, it's
1: unbelievable. So you watched the bill get passed and, you know, we posted a bunch of videos about the debate that went on. I mean, you know, in the in the House, it sort of sailed through. And then Jeffy Yarbrough tried to put up a fight in the Senate, but he's kind of all alone there on that committee. The things that came up Dickerson, I guess there were some Republicans that had issues with it. The things that came up were, you know, the fact that you thought you were supposed to turn in every form. The guy didn't have any answers. It was a circus, really, and a a disaster. Um, Did you know that it was going to pass? And what were you guys doing behind the scenes to prepare?
0: Um, I knew it was going to pass. I knew it was going to pass, one, because I knew why it was introduced. And it wasn't introduced because they want to protect elections. If they wanted to protect elections or guarantee integrity, they would just do automatic voter registration. It would make it so simple. Once you get your driver's license or your ID, you're automatically registered. They would make the form not so nuanced if they wanted to make sure that they were protecting elections. They would have a process that streamlined every election commission across the state. That wasn't the intention. The intention was to suppress the votes of black and brown communities, make no mistake about it. The intention was to make sure the people under the age of 35 don't show up to the polls in in huge record-setting numbers because it could affect the elections that they care about, that give them the autonomy to continue to make pass bad policy. So yes, it was definitely, definitely... Something that we were aware that was going to happen, but that didn't mean we weren't going to fight. That didn't mean we were going to just lay down and say, here, yeah, we're just going to let y'all do it. No, you're going to have to fight. And if it passes, if it if if a judge rules and says, "Okay, we think this is a good law, you're still going to have to fight because I'm still going to register people to vote.
1: So the bill passed, uh, you know, there were a lot of protests, definitely. People were concerned. You guys turned it out at the hearings. It was great. We, you know, I remember we talked to you back then briefly, and we were there for a lot of that. Uh, the bill passed. Nobody was surprised. It became national news because this is unprecedented. I mean, let's be clear. This is not something that exists in any other state. No other state criminalizes voter registration the way Trey Hargett and the Tennessee Republican supermajority just tried to. So this is groundbreaking voter suppression stuff. Uh, I think you called it ground zero for voter suppression when you testified before Congress this past Mm -hmm. week. And what happened with the lawsuit? Did you guys pretty much immediately launch the lawsuit? So what, what was the argument being made why this was unconstitutional?
0: Yeah, well, I can't talk about the lawsuit, obviously, because we're still it's still happening. But I can say that we launched this lawsuit. Because we knew the only way we're gonna be able to reason with them is in the courts. They wouldn't let me testify on the Senate floor, the 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 Senate or the House floor. We couldn't get a meeting with Trey Hargett. We, you know, barely got a meeting with um, a Senate the Senate who spon- Senate sponsor um, Ed Jackson from Jackson, Tennessee. We barely got a meeting with him. So we knew we weren't gonna be heard. We weren't gonna be listened to, and that's why America. That's why I love America. Because America was designed on principles that give people power to be able to hold elected officials accountable, and we have layers in government that help to protect citizens. And so we know that if this doesn't work on the state level, then we have to take this to the courts. It's time out to stop playing with them, and we got to start taking this to a higher place. And so we knew we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take this up. We're gonna have to go higher with this because they're not gonna listen to us. You know, I'm 32 year old black woman.
1: You, you, looking you bro- black broke Sorry, Tequila. You broke up real quick. Say if this if this doesn't work go on a state level, you were saying?
0: Yeah, I knew that um, if this didn't work on a state level, we were gonna have to take this to the courts, and we were prepared to do that because we knew. I mean, you have a group of black black women, black men coming in to, to to push for something. And we knew that our state legislators weren't going to listen to us. The majority of them looked at us. They laughed. They mocked us. They, you know, made silly fate. You were there, Justin. You saw it. They were terrible. And it was all just to antagonize us. And so we had to do what we had to do. Just like, I guess they had to do what they had to do.
1: Well, the court ruling, I mean, there were two this week. The first was to dismiss their motion to, to deny their motion to dismiss the lawsuit in which the judge really just undressed the whole law, basically parroting everything the critics of the bill said in committee. She just sort of dismantled it. She called it a punitive scheme. She called it a prophylactic scheme. She basically said that they're trying to poison the, the dirt rather than, you know, clean the crop and, you know, basically just completely, uh, undressed Hargett and the motivations behind the bill and the bill itself, pointing out that, you know, a lot of what's in the bill shows why it's not even necessary because, you know, if they're only willing to criminalize and punish people who are getting paid to register people to vote, that just shows that they're not actually really doing anything other than trying to uh, take advantage of people who, you know, can't dedicate their time to things like that unless they're getting paid. So the, the first ruling was great. And then yesterday they blocked, the federal court blocked the passage the the, um, the bill, so it won't, as of right now, become law or, or be enacted un- until further things happen. What now? What happens now? What recourse does Trey Hargett have? Do you know if they're going to appeal it? How high up is this going to go?
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to appeal it. I think that everybody needs to call down and check on Trey Hargett's ego right now because I'm pretty sure. Um, i I have no idea what trey hark is going to pull out of his hat next but i can tell you and i hope he's listening that i will be ready for it um you know you never know where he's going to come from you never know what he's going to do you never know a lot of you know a lot of a lot of the the down or bad part of this is that he has a gets paid a really good salary we do this uh, 100% volunteer. We do not get paid for the work we do with the Equity Alliance. So when you think about it, Trey Hargett has the time and the resources to sit back and really you know, strategize on how he's going to suppress the votes of young, black, under 35, single mom, you name it, anybody that's not a wealthy white male. He has the time and the resources to sit back and figure out what he's going to do. So I am sitting back waiting for whatever big elaborate scheme he cooks up next. And I will be on his ass.
1: I love it. Well, I'm going to get you out of here real quick. I appreciate you spending all this time with us. Just want to ask, because you mentioned this to me not too long ago, you said that you've already seen this bill have the chilling effect on people coming out to help with voter registration drives, which obviously was the intent. Is that really happening? Like you, you guys have found that people are now, because of this law and all the publicity, it got concerned about getting involved with these voter registration drives
0: oh yeah in certain cities and counties they've already started like this you know mandatory voter registration training or some some crazy stuff like that and what you're seeing is people are when we sent out a call last year for volunteers we had over 200 people sign up when we sent out a call this year for volunteers we barely got 50 people and that was because people are just like, you know, it's. I think it's less of people feeling scared and more of people just not knowing. Like, like I said, there is this, you know, very eerie um, um, energy centered around our legislator, and so people are just like, I don't know what they got going on or what they're gonna do, and I have been something that I have no idea about. So a lot of people are right. just very, and That was.
1: That was that was the big takeaway right i mean that's yeah. obviously their intention was just to put this out there and in some way making a huge deal about it helped them even though we had to but you know it made it mm-hmm. public people heard about it 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 puts it out there that uh oh do i is this something i have to worry about voter registration i don't want to get caught up in that you know and and that was the goal right they know that that's that how it works yeah So, so people need to realize that that was the goal. And, and, you know, I respect that you're not letting this discourage you at all. But I can only imagine how many people will be sort of turned off from because it's a shaky thing anyway, right? Like, it's a lot for somebody to to give their Saturday to go register people to vote. And like, get in people's faces at these events with a clipboard like nobody really likes doing that but people do it because they feel like they want to get this monster out of the white house and get involved in the process but you know it's not an easy call for somebody to give their time to do that so if you just plant this seed of doubt suddenly you know your numbers drop and and it sucks to hear that that's where this is going i think the best thing we have going for us right now is that in 2020 we're going to have this guy in the white house on the ticket And, you know, if you're not motivated to vote against this guy, chances are you probably weren't motivated to vote anyway. So, you know, I really hope your numbers go back up in 2020 now that, you know, we see the end of this thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. Just as any last words, what do you want to say to people who who might be watching or listening about how to get involved with what you're doing and how to stay active?
0: Oh, sure. Yes. Visit us on all social media handles at The Equity Alliance. Um, you can go to our website, TheEquityAlliance.org. If you'd like to sign up to volunteer, please. Again, we are a 100% volunteer-led organization. So uh, small dollar donations, large dollar donations, um, hosting events for us, all of that helps. We really, really greatly appreciate the support and, and just the the energy and the the... The, again, the supporting people across the state uplifting us. We have had a tremendous amount of support. So that right there is enough to fuel us, to let us know that we're doing the right thing and we're on the right side of history. And we just appreciate and and, and are so grateful for all of it.
1: Awesome. Go to equityalliance.org. We're at tnholler.com. Also, uh, Tequila, at some point, we're planning to do, we haven't locked this in yet, but at some point we're going to do what we're calling like a holler Ted talks kind of thing where people come and talk about their issue and we're going to turn it into content. And we'd love to have you speak at that at some point when we do that in the fall, I'm not sure when it'll be, but it'll probably be in Nashville somewhere. So I definitely want you to keep telling your story because I think it's really important.
0: Yes. Well, thank you, Justin, for always, you know, providing a platform for us to be unapologetic, be open and tell the truth the way we see it. So I appreciate you. And look forward to whatever it is you have. I'm here to support.
1: Awesome. All right, thanks, Tequila. Check out Tequila on Facebook and equityalliance.org. Thanks for tuning into the holler. We'll see you next time. Tennessee. Woo! Yeah. Tennessee. To